Amen. First Samuel chapter 17. Glory to God. And we're going to work out of this text today. God's got something to say to us. And I just know that you're going to be blessed by it. I know I was blessed in studying it. And, and when God gets done teaching it, I know I'm going to be blessed again. Amen. I praise the Lord. So first Samuel chapter 17, uh, we're going to look at a familiar set of scriptures. Now this scripture set here is really just to uh, to get us going. But as the Lord seems to always do, we're going to be all over the place. Um, and we're going to be dealing with more than just what's on the screen. Now, for the purpose of this, uh, brothers and sisters, um, today, um, for the purpose of this, I am going to keep this screen uh, up um, for those of you who may not um, have uh, a Bible or access to it. I'm going to leave this up through the duration. So that is what you're going to see. So don't be alarmed if the scripture, if the slide that you see doesn't change, that's on purpose. All right. The word of God tells us this uh, in Psalms 30, uh, Psalm 17. Um, we're going to start at verse 32, Psalm 17, excuse me, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting at verse 32, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to start at verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war, from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. Amen. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing and doing of his word. That was first Samuel chapter 17. That was verses 32 through 37. And we're going to just uh, dig into this um, this morning. This is a familiar set of scriptures. Uh, many of you who are listening to this and will listen to this at some point, no matter when you do so or, or no matter where you are, this will probably, especially if you have been in the word of God, this will no doubt have been uh, um, a or be a familiar set of scriptures um, for you. Many of you have probably heard many different sermons um, at various times covering this very um, covering this very uh, set of scriptures. It is arguably a very famous set of scriptures because the topic in here deals with the story of um, that is commonly or affectionately referred to as the story of David and Goliath. Amen. That's a very familiar passage of scripture. Many people um, know about that. In fact, people who don't even study the word of God know uh, about David and Goliath just um, uh, on the strength of it being told almost as a um, as a uh, story. Amen. Um, that um, even those who are not saved um, have perhaps come across and told um, or been told um, of this particular story. Nevertheless, it is not just a story. It is a historical event. This actually occurred, this uh, encounter with David and the uh, giant Goliath. Obviously, giants um, are no longer around today, but they were uh, in times past. There were 
tribe, so to speak, of, of giants. And, um, and David, in uh, his rise and in God's dealing with him, would encounter giants on several occasions. Amen. When you read the scriptures in the Old Testament, you will find that this encounter with a giant uh, was not the only encounter that Israel had, that David had with the tribe of giants. There would be many occasions in which they would have to deal with giants. There were different, there would be multiple opportunities where the household of God or the children of Israel would find themselves confronted against uh, giants and would have to deal with them accordingly. Nevertheless, the story of David and Goliath, the historical event, the true event of David and Goliath, um, is takes place at the in the backdrop of the fall of the first king of Israel, uh, known to us as Saul. Amen. Um, the first king of Israel was a man by the name of Saul. Um, Saul, Saul was uh, anointed to be king um, by um, the prophet Samuel at the direction of God Almighty. Um, however, the construct or the, or the, uh, the initiating of um, a monarchy in the um, nation of Israel had its beginning with Saul. Up until this point, the, 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 the nation of Israel or the children of Israel uh, did not have a monarchy. They were not ruled by a physical earthly king. They were um, ruled or part of a what would be called a theocracy. A theocracy is the rule of God. Amen. And so in the beginning, the, um, the children of Israel were ruled by God Almighty. They did not have a physical king that they could go to or that they would go to for any of their needs and for the direction of their nation. No, they would not do that because they did not have that. Uh, the surrounding nations had that, but the children of Israel did not have that. And it was God's preference that they did not have that. That's what God preferred that the children of Israel did not have an earthly, uh, earthly king, amen. But the children of Israel being caught up in uh, what was going on around them, amen, being enamored by the structure and the setup of the competing nations around them, the nations which God would deliver into their hands, being caught up in what they had or what the world had, so to speak, caused them to gain a desire for that which God did not want for them. Brothers and sisters, today, I hope you're already hearing the word of God and where God is going. There are some things, family, that God does not prefer that you have in your life. There are some people that God does not prefer that you have in your life. Now, notice I use the word prefer. God will allow them if you insist on them, but they are not what God wants for you. Okay, God's preference would be that you sidestep. God's preference would be that you bypass them. God's preference would be that you leave them right where you found them and you keep moving. The problem is, is that many of us, just like with the children of Israel, we don't keep moving. That spirit of lust gets a hold of us. And lust is not just in the intimate form, but lust can uh, apply to anything that your heart gravitates to or desires more than you want God. Amen. Whenever you want something more than you want God, you're dealing with lust. Okay, I want to make that very plain because some people tend to think that they don't have a problem with lust. Yes, you absolutely do have a problem with lust. Anything that you want more than God, you have a problem with lust. 
you have a problem with it. Many times, um, this is why people um, can have less problems and don't realize that they have it. Why? Because the society treats lust as always something that has to deal with um, sexual immorality or some sort of um, some sort of bout of intimacy or something like that. That's the way the world looks at it or treats it. So we also, in turn, unfortunately, tend to look at it as only applying in that area, but that is not so. Whatever you want, whatever you desire more than you want God, you are dealing with a lust problem. Your, your affections are out of order. Your affections are out of alignment, okay? And you're gonna, and that's something that you're gonna need to, to get back into alignment. You're not gonna be able to do that on your own, but God gives us the Holy Ghost who will straighten us up. Amen. All you got to do is yield to him first. You got to, you got to, you, you, you got to admit it. Amen. You're not going to get rid of, you're not going to get rid of lust by denying that you have a problem with it. No, you're not. You're going to have to own that sin. Nobody gets over the issues of sin that will not own up to them. Mm -mm. No, that doesn't happen. In fact, I'm mean, gonna and, and that's so and that is so much the case to where you can't even be saved. You cannot even be saved without repentance. You, it starts right there. And when you start dealing with repentance, what are you doing? You're dealing with the acknowledgement of your sin in all its forms. Amen. So if you're gonna overcome lust or pride or anything else that you got, you're going to have to own up to that thing. You're going to have to face it square in the eye. Amen. And you're going to have to tell God what you've done. And you're going to ask to have to ask God to forgive you. Okay. You're not going to be able to stand before God and pretend you didn't do something. You, you did do it. And he know you did it. And you know, you did it too. So no need in trying to fool God. He is not fooled. Amen. So we so so that's something we that we want to make sure we keep that in mind. But but nevertheless, they they've desired a king, and unfortunately, um, that's what they got. And the the king that they got was Saul, and Saul was good for a while, but Saul derailed. And um, he's such a, a a great picture of of the human condition. And as um and I praise God that he uh, he's given us that example to learn from in the word of God. Saul disobeyed the command of God. Amen. And he did so by rejecting God. Take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. I want you to look at verse 23. The Bible says this for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's a whole sermon and lesson in that. Uh, but we'll save that for another time. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So this is Samuel talking here and he's dealing with or talking to Saul. Saul has just disobeyed God. Amen. Or has, well, let me put it like this. He has disobeyed God for the last time. Amen. Saul had his opportunities just as God gives us opportunities, but Saul kept on going and went too far. Amen. And when he did that, amen. And when he did that, there came a time, there came a point where he crossed a bridge too far. There came a point where, where Saul went absolutely further than what God was willing to allow, amen. And when he did that, amen, when he did that, when he rejected God, because when you go too far, family, when you go too far into what God tells you not to do, as soon as you start doing what God told you not to do, amen, you don't even have to get that far into it. Okay. There's not a, there's not, there's not a, a bell that goes off. As soon as you start doing what God tells you not to do, you are rejecting God. Amen. See, there's no, there's no bell that goes off when you've reached a certain quota that says, okay, you've rejected God. Uh, uh. In other words, there's, 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 there's nothing, there's not, there's, there's no container that needs to fill up and then overflow before you reach the point of going, of, of rejecting God. 
Every time you and I engage in sin and disobedience, we are rejecting God. Amen. So don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't delude yourself. Don't let somebody else lie to you. Don't let somebody else deceive you. Don't somebody don't let someone else delude you into thinking that the sin that you engage in is not that bad. It is that bad. God don't have no limit. You understand that. Okay. God does not have God. God does not have a scenario where some sin is okay and other sins are not. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Now there are levels to sin, but all sin is treated and judged the same. Amen. So there are some sins that are worse than others, but they are all bad. I hope you hear what I said. I'm going to tell it to you again. There are some sins that are worse than others, but they are all bad. And that means they will all lead you to hell. Okay. Glory to God. I know that that's sometimes that can be a little, be, be a little bit challenging. People that look, you mean to tell me I can go to hell for stealing some bubble gum? You absolutely can go to hell for stealing some bubble gum. Just as you will go to hell for engaging in that type of sin, which is categorized under the heading of abomination. You hear what I'm telling you? God don't, there ain't, there ain't no, there, God, God don't show, God's, God is impartial, doesn't show favorites. Amen. God's not going to just let, God's not going to, to, listen, although there are levels to sin, amen, amen. Although there are levels to sin, God will not judge some and leave some unjudged. He's not going to do that. No, God's going to judge all that. So brothers and sisters, you need to be careful about what it is that you're doing. When we sin, we are rejecting God. Now, Saul's rejection by God um, due to his disobedience, okay, because that's what disobedience does. Disobedience will lead to you rejecting God, okay? It will lead to you rejecting God. Now, Saul's rejection um, by God, amen, because not only will sin lead you into rejecting God, but you can go so far and to a point where God will reject you. That's what we read in Psalms, uh, excuse me, in Sam, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. Amen. Remember what that scripture said. The Lord, It says right there in that B portion that because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Amen. He was selected as king, but when he decided that he was going to reject the word of God, God rejected his, his position. Do you hear what I'm saying? He rejected his position. Now, this is a position that he was blessed to be in. Amen. Many of you, I want you to understand something. God has blessed you to attain certain things in life. God has blessed you with certain positions. God has blessed you with certain um, 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 uh, conveniences, whatever it may be. God has blessed you with certain things. He's allowed you to achieve certain things. The, what, the fastest way to get what God has done for you revoked is to disobey and disregard his word. Amen. Do not forget that it was by obedience and through obedience that God was moved to bless you. You got to stay in the place of obedience. You can't just get outside that and think that God is, up to, is, is obligated to maintain whatever it is that he's, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. And he did not do that for Saul. And that is an example that he will not do that for us. Saul rejected Saul's rejection by God due to his his disobedience was even further than that or was even more uh, serious than that because it also resulted in the forfeiture of God's anointing. Look at 1 Samuel, look at 16 and 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Amen. What does that mean? An evil spirit of the from the Lord troubled him. What that means is, is, is that when the anointing of the Lord, okay, when the spirit of the Lord de departed from him, 
Amen. All of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the anger and all these other things that the spirit of the Lord fights back and keeps in check within us. When the spirit of the Lord moves on, then all of those things are allowed to run amok. And when they begin to run amok, they, you begin to deal with all sorts of conflicting thoughts and ideas and situations. And these things can be categorized under the evil spirit. Okay. Amen. All of these things. And what we mean by that is, is that we're talking about those things that are negative, those feelings, those thoughts, those diet, everything, all of that stuff that comes all of the negativity that can come up influenced by either yourself or just um, uh, unclean spirits out there. Doesn't matter where they come from. When the spirit of the Lord moves on from you, you are unprotected from that. The spirit of the Lord, the presence of the spirit of the Lord family does so much more than you can possibly know. Uh, amen. 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 When you don't have the spirit of the Lord to guard your heart and your mind, do you not know anything and everything? You will find yourself besieged on every front. I'm telling you, I am telling you. Listen, family, it doesn't always take because this is heavy because Saul forfeited his anointing. When he was selected by God. He was anointed by God. Amen. Amen. But when he refused the word of God, he was rejected by God. And when Saul was rejected by God, the anointing of God was withdrawn from him. Amen. 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 It is dangerous, family, to be rejected of God. See, the success and the things that we so often take for granted is because of the anointing of God, the presence of God in our life, the favor of God, which means the approval of God is on us. And it is because we have that that we experience some of the successes that we deal with in life. Amen. Those things are a result of the anointing of God. And when we talk about the anointing of God, we are talking about the presence of God, the spirit of God being present in, who, in your life and always accounted for in what you're doing. In other words, he's a part of it. In other words, he's a part of it. When we move outside of God, we forfeit that. Amen. Amen. Now, it does not always take grand scale sin. You don't have to do something big to cause God to remove his anointing. And many of us need to hear that this morning or this afternoon or this evening or whenever it is that you listen to it. It does not take grand scale sin in order to get God to remove his anointing. Some of us engage in sin and we continue to engage in sin because we think we got time to get it right. We assume that we can just get it together before it all falls apart. We assume that what we're doing is not that that bad. Oh no, it's not that. It's not that bad. I got. I, I, it's it's not as bad as 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 what this person is doing and what those people are doing. It's 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 not as it's not on that. It's not on that level. It's just a little something something. And I got time to 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 get that right and smooth that and 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 you know what? And it's all right. I'm gonna still be able to. I'm gonna still continue on with God's blessing. I'm gonna still continue on with His anointing. I'm gonna still continue to experience the best that God has, even though I got this thing that I keep doing over and over and over and over. But does not the word tell us that it's the little foxes that spoil things? 
It's the little thing. See, it don't take grand scale sin to cause God to remove his anointing. So stop lying to yourself. If you are engaged in something you got no business in, and I'm talking to you, and you know who you are, I'm talking right directly to you. You know that what you got going on is crooked. You know it's wrong. But you keep doing it because you think it's not that wrong. Hear the word of the Lord against you. All wrong is that wrong. And you have better straighten up. Get to that altar of repentance right where you are. Tell God sorry. And mean it. So that the true joy of your salvation can be restored unto you. But as long as you keep entertaining that idea that the little sin you engaged in is not that bad. I'm, let me tell you something. The charges is stacking against you. Oh, your charges is stacking right on up. They are stacking right on up. Do you not know that God cannot be mocked? Whatever a man sows, that's what he going to reap. That is not a scripture that just applies to the wicked. That applies to the righteous. A righteous man and a righteous woman can step outside of their righteousness. You can transgress. Stop telling yourself that God is going to understand willful disobedience. He's not going to understand that. Because he already told you he won't. Know you not that our God is not a respecter of persons. You're not going to get a hall pass. You're not going to make it into heaven because mama and daddy did. You got to be faithful unto death. That means you got to go to the end of the wall, into the line, end of the line. You got to go. All sin. All of it can cause you to forfeit the anointing of God. Stop entertaining the idea. Stop banking on, I got time to get it right. No, hold on. You know it's wrong. Get it right now. Don't wait. Do it now. Because the next few seconds, moments, that's not promised to you. I'm telling you right now, God did not sign that contract that said he got to give you the next few minutes. He don't have to give you nothing. And all the while you engage in willful disobedience. The only thing you're doing is giving him all the more reason not to give you nothing. I'm going to tell it to you. Stop playing with God. Stop playing with God. Because you are going to lose. Stop playing with God. Be honest. Be upright. Amen. It doesn't take grand scale sin. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't take grand scale sin for God to remove his anointing. Simple disobedience to the word of God is always more than enough of a reason for him to remove disobedience. Amen. Amen. See, sometimes, and you got to be careful with this. See, you really don't want God to take his anointing from you. No, 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 no. You, you really don't want that. You don't. 
You don't. See, because sometimes what happens when God removes the anointing, you need to understand something. When the anointing goes, so does the heads of protection. When the anointing goes, so does the peace of God. When the anointing goes, so does the joy of the Lord and the joy of your salvation. I hope you're hearing it. I hope you're hearing it. You can't afford for the anointing to leave. Because when God takes the anointing, it ain't just the anointing that he takes. He takes everything. And you can't afford that. It's time to grow up in the word and not be children in this. You and I may not stay on the milk of the word always. It's got time to move to the meat. You need to understand what you're doing. God obligates himself to take care of the faithful, not the unfaithful. So it's time to start operating like we know how God operates because we do know how he operates because in the word he has plainly told us so. When God takes the anointing, everything that you need for this life to be full of fulfillment, joy, peace for all of these things. And that's not to say that even when you have the anointing, it's going to always be like that. That's not, that's inconsistent. That's not what we're saying. Suffering is part of the walk of the child of God. So you're going to deal with those things. But it's just that when you have the anointing, the anointing brings with it the peace of God and the joy of God and the protection of God. And what happens is, is that it overrides the feelings of guilt and depression and shame and all of these things that come in at times because of life in general that threaten to drag you down. No, no, no. God fights for you. You can be literally physically broke, no money to your name. Yet when the anointing and the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you operate as if you got all the money in the world. How does that happen? Where does that come from? From the joy of the Lord. And it's his pleasure to give that to you. But not if you're being ridiculous. Not if you sin it on purpose. God want to bless us. But many times we don't want to be blessed the way he wants to bless us. We want to be blessed the way we want to be blessed. Brothers and sisters, that means <laughs> that we want God to do what he does our way. There can only be one way, family. And God has already spoken that it's not going to be yours. It's not going to be mine. It's going to be his. Amen. 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 Sometimes when the anointing goes, or when the anointing goes, so does the heads of protection, and the peace of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord, and all of those things. And before you know it, you'll find yourself dealing with all of these things, just besieged. Not the appointed times of trouble that we talked about in lessons past, but you besiege with all the unappointed, in other words, all the unnecessary stuff. This is this is this is the this is the this is the mess we bring on ourselves. It ain't what God wants for you. It's not what God wants for me. But because I won't do right, I'm bringing it on me. See, also in the scripture here, David, or in our text. 
David has already been anointed the next king of Israel. And you see that in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. You will read that. So David has, 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 has so, so Saul has been rejected. The anointing has been taken from him. And David, in, at the point of our text, has already been anointed in secret as the next king. Okay, so, so Samuel the prophet has come and anointed him, and you can and you can read that in First uh, Samuel chapter sixteen, looking um, specifically at verse number thirteen. Amen. But the other thing that's interesting is, is that not only has David now, okay, Saul has gone his way, and now God has is raising up somebody else. Amen. And that somebody else is going to be David. Well. In the point of our text, or at the point of our text, David has already been anointed in secret as the successor. He will be the next king. Saul does not know that, amen, but everybody, but but David does, amen. He is going to be the next king. He's already been anointed, amen. Now, I want you to understand something. David was anointed outside of Saul's knowledge, amen. Amen. The audience is not a sign of anointing. I hope you hear it. Audiences, congregation, accolades, all the people who know and all of these big things are not mutually exclusive to the anointing of God. Amen. Amen. The anointing of God, family, does not come with all of the fanfare and all of the notoriety. Do not mistake the big things, the grandeur of this life and all of these things for being signs of the anointing. I don't have nothing to do with that. No, 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 no. Don't have nothing to do with that. David is anointed, but not all of Israel knew about it. When God anoints you, amen, when God anoints you, not everybody around you will know about it. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. Nope, 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 nope. Your anointing is not tied to who acknowledges you. Your anointing is not based on who says you did a good job. Your anointing is not tied to somebody saying, the Lord really, he really used you today. I don't have nothing to do with that. How many times have you seen people acting like the worst thing on earth? And people ignorant of what unrighteousness is have hauled off and called and proclaimed that person as blessed. They wouldn't know what the anointing was if they fell out of the boat and it was all the ocean itself. The anointing is not tied to fanfare. The anointing is not based on having a microphone and having a stage and a big platform. The anointing is for the obedient. The anointing is for those that God choose. The choosing is of God's own prerogative. 
decides and him alone who he's going to anoint. But the criteria that God uses to look for those in whom he's going to anoint is obedience. Who's doing what the Lord said do? Amen. Amen. So David is anointed to be the next king. Saul doesn't know about it. And all of Israel, most of Israel doesn't know about it. At this point, the only ones that probably actually that only know about it is would be Samuel and uh uh, Saul's family, and excuse me, and David's family, for the most part, and most of the, for the most part, those are the only ones that know about it. Now I want you to understand something. David is anointed, had already been anointed to be king, but David is operating as a servant. Some anointing that God gives is for a particular place and for a particular time. Some anointing does not manifest to everyone else until the timing of God is fulfilled. That means the anointing, though God gives it to you, it is not something that you can control. You can't control God's spirit. You can't control God. You can't do that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And because of that, you can't rush God's timetable. When God gives you the anointing, when God gives you the anointing, sometimes the anointing will proceed you taking on the task in which you are anointed for. Sometimes the anointing will wait for years before the opportunity comes to operate in the anointing. You hear what I'm telling you? Just talking about a few things. We're just talking about it. We're just talking about it. Sometimes the anointing seems to lay dormant for a time. Until the time, seemingly, God awakens it. And we use that as a metaphor. The anointing will often operate in a holding pattern. It'll keep circling the landing pad until God authorizes it to land. The worst thing you and I can do when we have the anointing is to try to make God's timetable be our timetable. You got to wait on God. You got to wait on God. Don't do that. David was anointed, but David did not just take over Israel. No, 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 no. Saul was still king. Saul was still king. But though David had the anointing to replace Saul, David still had to walk in righteousness until the time of his anointing came. Amen. Amen. Or the time that which he was anointed for came. A better way of putting that. Amen. Amen.
David also is a youth at this time. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 33. Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. David, you're a young man. And so from this, we know that during this time, David is a young man. He's a young adult. He's a young, he's, 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 he's got, he's, it, it's, he's got eight brothers. And he is the youngest, and he is a young man. He was anointed to be the successor to Saul while he was what? A young man. Let me segue into this for just a moment. Family, God prefers that you and I do not put off serving him. I want you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I want you to look at verse, verse number one. Remember now the creator in the days of what? Thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now the creator in the days of thy youth. God's preference is that you not wait to serve him. God's preference is that you don't put off and set to the side and disregard the calling of you to him. He's calling you. He's calling you. And somebody who's going to listen to this message, I want to tell you right now, God is calling you. You got a whole lot of stuff going on in your life, but God is calling you. He's been calling you. He's calling you to the place of repentance. He's telling you to change your mind about the sin that you got going on in your life. He's telling you, you got to renounce it. He's telling you right now. He's telling you, you got to let, let it go. All of your smoking, all of your drinking, all of your premarital sex, all of that, all of your lying, all of your cheating, all of your stealing, all your filthy conversation. All your disobedience at work. He calling you. He's calling you out of that. He's telling you, you got to let it go. You got to confess those sins. You got to renounce all that. You got to confess him. You got to take him on. How do you do that? The first part is repentance. Then you got to be baptized in his name. And oh, when you get baptized in there, you making a statement right there. When you're baptized in his name, not in his titles, in his name. You're saying loud and clear, Lord, I choose you. Glory to God. Glory to God. And he'll wash away all those sins. What's that mean? It means he's going to drop the charges against you. Every sin you commit is a charge against you, and God got it all written down. You're not going to get out of that. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, what? The judgment. You got an appointment that you're not going to miss. I'm not going to miss that. You're going to be on time. 
But when that time come, when that time come, you either going to be convicted or because you are covered by the blood of the lamb, you're going to be exonerated. But you, but you, but listen, you're not going to miss that arraignment. No, you're not. We all got an appointment. But it is not God's desire to throw the book at you. So he calls you to the place of repentance. To renounce all of that and come to him. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, and he'll give you something to keep you. Yes, he will. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because the Lord knows those who are his. Amen. Amen. It's time to stop the fighting. It's time to stop the warring against God. Just, just, just go on ahead and lay down your arms now. You've been fighting against him long enough. And it's time to come to him while you while the blood is still warm in your veins, while you still got an opportunity. You don't have to be who this world tells you you are. But you do need to be who God says you are. Because as Saul found out, the Lord would have obedience rather than sacrifice. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We're going to stop right there. And it looks like we will continue this uh, lesson on next week as we deal with all of this. So much good stuff in, in just in this. And, 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 and uh, we didn't even get into all of it. But next week, we will go further with this. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here. Wow.